Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians where we were last week where we ended off. Then we'll go to the book of Ephesians. Now we started out discovering some things about the Father heart of God. He is your heavenly Father. You can take every good, righteous, benevolent, kind, earthly father on the planet and put them all in one big room and they wouldn't equal a drop in the bucket compared to the kindness, the goodness, and the mercy of your heavenly father. One of the things Jesus did in his earth walk was to reveal the heavenly father to the people that he ministered to, to his disciples, to others. That made the religious people very mad, made them very upset. But I want you to know, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is your heavenly Father. Now, I know that, you know, we, we know we see over in Romans uh, uh, the term Abba Father and, and people talk, call him Daddy God and all that. I've got a little bit, little bit more reverence in me than that. I, I really don't. I know there's some that like that, but, you know, I like, have, I like the heavenly Father. I like that term. I like that respect. I like that. You know, when we were growing up, and I know some of you may not like this because you may think it's just old-time Pentecostal, but it's true. I'll tell you, it's good to teach your kids this way because we teach Breland this way. We were, never, we were never even allowed to say, gosh, amen, or gee whiz. You say, now, come on, preacher. Come on, preacher. No, no, we were taught enough reverence to God that we did not even use slang language that referred in any way to God whatsoever in slang. Golly, or gee whiz, or gosh, or anything like that. Well, that was taken. We were taught, don't ever say that. Don't ever do it. We don't do it at my house. Amen. And that's a good principle to teach to your children because, you know, when you start doing that, you kind of cross a line. It may not be cursing, but it, it's, it's slang, and it's idle, and it's not good. It doesn't give reverence to the Heavenly Father. Boy, not one amen. A lot of groaning and moaning and my goodness. Well, hallelujah. All right. But now let's look back here at the Scripture. Uh, we picked up, we started out uh, uh, last week looking at this. It says in verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even hidden wisdom. Remember last week we talked about the devil doesn't know. The devil doesn't know God's plan for your life. The devil doesn't know how God's going to do it. Chapter, uh, we're in chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The devil doesn't know God's plan for your life. He didn't know the plan of redemption. Amen. He had no idea what was going on. And, and on another note, you've got to understand this. He doesn't know what's going on right now. He doesn't know these are the last of the last days. All he knows is it may look like on the surface that he's beginning to gain some ground in developing a system here on the earth, but in reality, also, there are more people kicking him around that's ever kicked him around before. Let me just say it like this. He's experiencing more of Jesus than he's ever experienced. You say, what do you mean? He experienced Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he thought, well, it's all over there. But no, once the day of Pentecost happened, then he started experiencing Jesus again. And I want you to know, Satan does not like to experience Jesus. And so the more you can cause him in your life to experience Jesus, the less and less he's going to fight you. If he knows every time I come up against those people, I experience Jesus, he ain't going to fight you near as much as other people. Amen? 
So he doesn't know. It's a mystery to him. Notice what it says in verse 8. But which, the, which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they had known, everybody say, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither had entered into the heart of man the things which God, which the Father, hath prepared for them that love him. So God has what? Prepared something. Woo, you ought to get excited that there has been a preparation of things. Well, what does things mean? Things means everything, all of it. Material things, spiritual things, financial things, things that will cause your mind to be at peace, all kinds of good things. Amen? He has prepared for them that love Him. Anybody love Him? But God hath revealed unto us by His Spirit, capital S, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of the Spirit, small s, of man, uh, which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit, capital S, of God. So the Holy Ghost knows the things. The Holy Ghost knows the plan of God. The Holy Ghost knows the will of God. And the Holy Ghost knows how to implement it. And where's the Holy Ghost? He's in you. And He's on you. So the plan of God is where? It's in you. And it's on. It's not that far away, folks. Oh, glory to God. It says, now we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things, there it is again, that are what? Freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, today at, tonight at dinner, uh, we were eating our dinner and discussing the day and talking with Breland, and they had Bible class today. She goes to a Christian school over at a particular denominational church here on the island. And uh, she was explaining to us what was taught her in Bible class. And so we had to explain back to her that the problem with that, and she, she you know, everything that was said, she said, man, they, I can't believe they said this, and I can't believe they said that. She knew in her own spirit. She said, it made me feel funny. I said, yeah, it's because it's not true. I said, but the problem is they're trying to understand the Bible with their head. And the Bible is not written to your head. The Bible is written to your heart. Now let me say that again. The Bible is not written to your head. That's why so many people struggle with the Word of God. Your intellect, we'll see that in just a minute, your intellect will not help you to understand or discern the Word of God, but the Spirit, the capital S, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will reveal, the word reveal, uncover from the source the realities of the Word of God and the mystery or the secrets of the will of God for your particular life. The things that God, the things that your loving Heavenly Father has prepared for you. Amen? Now notice this. The next scripture. It says, but the natural man. Let me just, can I read that in the Amplified? Well, I'll read it in the King James. We'll read that. It says, the natural man receiveth not. Receiveth not the things of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. It says in the Amplified, But the natural or non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, meaningless, nonsense to him. 
He is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned, estimated, and appreciated. So the more the carnal man or the natural man or the intellectual man, and that's talking about us, our natural man, our carnal man, our intellectual man, the more we try to understand things of the Spirit, the more frustrated we will be. Now, remember this, before you were born again, how little you understood about the Bible. I mean, I've talked to people that thought they would just read the Bible as a project, and they'd read a few chapters and just put it down and say, I, I don't get that. I just don't get, I just can't, you know, I can't, I can't get past the these and the thous. And, and I, you know, I just can't, I don't, I don't get that. But then once you got born again, how many remember when you got born again? And then you opened up the Bible and something had changed. Well, the Bible didn't change. You were what the Bible calls enlightened. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. For if you're not born again, you cannot what? Understand. It doesn't mean you get an explanation of spiritual things. It means you get an understanding of spiritual things that come into agreement with your human spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's why there are things, you know, in the Word of God you just can't explain. You try to explain it to people, especially somebody that, don't know, that doesn't know God, they think you're crazy. I mean, if you try to, you try to explain tithing to somebody, that's why when you witness to people, tell them about Jesus. Tell them two things. Everybody say two things. Tell them what Jesus has done for you, and then tell them what Jesus has done for them. It makes sense. But if you tell them, well, listen, let me, let me explain to you about tithing. Let me explain to you about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Let me, and they'll just go, say what? You do what? You speak in a language you haven't learned? Really? Is that kind of like Fred Flintstone? Yabba dabba do? Is that that? Is that what you're talking about? They don't, you, you know, the carnal mind starts spinning, trying to figure it. No, no, you can't do it. It's spiritually discerned. Amen. So be careful of your natural mind. Many people lose the battle in the realm of their natural mind because they refuse to renew it with the word of God. Let me just say it like this. They get spiritually lazy. And when you get spiritually lazy, your intellect rises up in strength. It'll do it every time. It'll try to figure out why you're not healed, why you're not blessed financially, why you're not... It'll try to figure out all this kind of stuff, the why fours, the where twos, the house. It'll try to figure it all out. And then the spirit man weakens and the intellect grows. And next thing you know, you think your way out, then talk your way out of blessing. The devil starts imparting into your mind. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. It'll never work. And then finally, he does what he wants to do. He wants you to say it. It just don't work. It don't work. Boom. Guess what? You just operated in faith. What? You just operated in faith. But you operated on the negative side of it. You believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, and had what you said. Amen? But now notice. Let's do this so we can get over to feet. I still got 15 minutes. Praise God. These shoes stick to the floor so bad. That's all right. I'll get them broke in. But now notice verse 15. It says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now, now, now listen to this. I know we talk the way we, when we talk among ourselves, the body, we talk about we don't ever judge anybody. 
But then this scripture says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now, there are times in your life where you're going to have to make some judgments. There are some people, now I'm not talking about you judge them as either guilty or innocent, but you have to look at individuals and people in your life and relationships that you may or may not want to be a part of, and you have to make a judgment about that. And you need to make a spiritual or a righteous judgment and not a carnal judgment. Uh, there was some particular, particular group of ministers at one time in my life that I could have really gotten in with and been a part of, and I had sitting at, 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 a, at, a, at a table several times and listened to some conversation. And when I did, something in my spirit just was not right. And I had to make a judgment at that point of whether I was going to continue to pursue those relationships or just back away from them. And I made a decision just to back away. Just to back away. Now, not that they were wrong and I was right. Not that they were bad and I was good. It's just that something was not right in the spirit about that. And for me, that was not part of the things that God had prepared for me when it come to the relationship category. And then God led me to another group of people, supernaturally. And so I just kind of eased in there. And next thing you know, I'm fellowshipping and we're talking. And now we've been friends for a few years. And God has blessed the relationship on both sides. Blessed the, uh, us together as far as ministry is concerned. We've been able to do some things in ministry. Now God has taken it to another level. They've started a really nice ministry fellowship. And when people just fellowship, ask me to be on the board of that. And we're fixing to do a crusade in Europe together. Now all of that came about as part of the things that God had prepared for me in ministry. I had to pursue that, but I had to judge some other things and back away. Now, some of the things I back, backed away from were some things I really wanted to do because I love to preach. I love to preach, teach, and be in meetings. And people say, you know, you need to come over here and you need to go over there and you need to be in this conference and do this and that. And I had to make some decisions on where to go, where not to go, what to do, and what not to do. Not every open door in life is a God open door. In ministry, in relationships, <clears throat> excuse me, financially, in business, I've known guys so zealous over their business, you know, they, well, we'll take this job and this job and this job and this job, and then they take that one job that eats up everything that all the other jobs produce. Not every, remember this, remember this phrase, write it down if you've not written this phrase down because it's a good piece of wisdom. If the devil cannot stop you, he'll always try to push you too far. Amen. I taught a, a class, Bible school class, several years ago, and I entitled it, The Wind in Your Face and the Wind in Your Sails. Now, you start out in the things of God, and it seems like everything in your life, in your finances, in your relationships, in everything you're trying to do, even just trying to come to a church service, it seems like there's opposition, wind in your face. Wind in your face. Wind in your face. Something coming against you. <clears throat> Something rising up. Something say, but you just, you won't be denied. You're like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to study the word. I'm going to be what God's called me to be. I'm going to do what God's called. So you just won't quit. You won't back off. So the enemy takes that wind. And next thing you know, it's not in your face. 
and you may go a few years where there's no opposition at all. You're just cruising in the things of God. God's blessing. You're growing in the things of God. Bless. And the next thing you know, that wind that was in your face whoosh, gets behind you. It gets in your sails. And you're supposed to be sailing eight knots, but the wind is causing you to sail 12 knots. And God wants you to go eight knots, but you're going 12 knots. Now you're going too fast, too far, and you get out in front of God. And the wind that was in your face is now behind you, pushing you, but it's the same wind. It's opposition. Amen. I'm glad I didn't peak in ministry at age 40. I was too stupid. I was. I was too ignorant. I'm glad I didn't peak in ministry at age 50. I'm glad I'm believing God that I'm going to peak in ministry about age 65 or 70. And then those years after that, I'm just going to enjoy and have a great time. But you know, it takes time. I've watched God. I had one friend really dear to me, very dear to me. And I watched his ministry take off like a bullet out of a gun. Boom! And two of the largest faith ministries in the United States, he was part of both camps. And you talk about open doors. My goodness, he had open doors all over the planet. But a little fraction raised up in this camp and a little fraction in this camp and he got in the middle of it and got bitter and got messed up and got attacked by the devil in his body and died in his mid-30s. Man, he had the world by the tail and could preach heaven and earth together. Signs, wonders, and miracles was a blessing of God. I preached several camp meetings. We did overseas crusades together. But he, 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 he grew up real quick and just didn't have that character necessary to judge some things, to make some judgments, some righteous judgments. God wants us to mature. Listen, this is how much your heavenly Father loves you. He don't want you pushed too far. He don't want you having so much that the much destroys you. He don't want you to be so busy that you're too busy for Him. Amen? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. He wants you, listen, Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. You know what He was telling us? He says, if you hook up to me, you're not going to pull a heavy load. You're not going to pull yourself down. You're not going to pull others down around you. You're going to enjoy. Now listen, there's times when we work and we work hard and there are times when, you know, we've got to be apart from one another, Lee and I and things we do, but there's also times in which we should enjoy the benefits of a loving Heavenly Father and be what we're going to study in, the, in a moment, part of the family of God that lives in two locations, one in heaven, one in earth. And the one in heaven, are they having a good time? The one in heaven, are they happy? The one in heaven, are they well supplied? The one in heaven, are they enjoying the will of God? Well, why should the one on earth be any different? Amen? The one in heaven's not stressed. The one in heaven's not having to take, you know, psychiatric drugs. The one in heaven is, doesn't have ulcers. Neither should the one on earth. We should learn to follow Jesus. So be careful. If the devil can't stop you, he'll try to push you too far. Now let me, let me, let me finish with verse 16. For, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, we have the mind of Christ. Listen to this in the Amplified. I love it. It says, for who has known or understood the mind or counsels and purposes of the Lord as to guide and instruct him? And we give, and to give him 
Let me read that again. Got it mixed up. For as known or understood the mind or counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah. Now listen to this. And do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Now listen to me. You talk about having something val- in you, in you. That's why you should never devalue yourself. Whether you got saved last week or you've been saved 80 years. In you, in you is the mind, the purposes. Amen? Is the ca- it's in you. God has trusted you to possess. Listen to what that says again. That's that so powerful. That you have the what? The feelings. How does God feel about the lost? He yearns for the lost. That's why we desire to grow, to expand, to go to the jails, to go to the streets, to go to the nations because the feelings of God toward the lost is I gave my only begotten son and I want you to spend everything I give you. I want you to do everything I've called you to do. I want you to go out there and compel them to come in so that my house can be full, so that people can be afforded the greatest opportunity of their generation to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We possess those feelings. And if we don't yield to those, they get calloused over. Amen. The thoughts, what does God think about the suffering? How does he feel about those? Up at UTMB tonight, those that lie in the hospital beds, suffering with no hope. Just suffering with some sickness, some disease, some terrible injury in pain. How does God feel? Well, let me tell you how God feels. God allowed Jesus to be beat with a cat of nine tails until he was almost dead. 39 stripes, 40 minus 1, and to be horribly abused so that we might be healed. So God says, tell them I heal. Tell them I heal broken bodies. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Amen? The purposes of God, the feelings of God, the thoughts of God, as you begin to walk in God, they begin to stir on the inside of you. You begin to have compassion. You begin to desire people to be blessed. We may, I think we made that statement the other day. We don't want to build a new church for us. We have a church. Are you with me? We don't need a church. But there is another crowd of people out there that they desperately need a church on 45th Street. Because if we can build that church, I take that back. When we build that church, amen, we will be doing what? We will be following after the feelings and the thoughts and the purposes of a Heavenly Father that loves us and loves them too. Amen. Now quickly, I've got about four minutes. Go to Ephesians. Beautiful prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. One of the prayers you should just pray over yourself every day. I pray these prayers almost every day in some form or another. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, and Philippians 1. But now notice what it says here. Let me just read through it for a moment. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the whole family in heaven and earth his name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Everybody say, passeth knowledge and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, unto him be the power, get back there, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus 
throughout all ages, world without end. Now notice, here in this scripture, the Apostle Paul, through revelation knowledge, is showing us, first of all, he came to a point in his own life and ministry. We're just thinking of God. When you go study the chapters before and this particular chapter, it does what? It brings him to his knees. He says, for this cause, this just knocks me to my knees. Have you ever meditated on the things of God? Worshiped God? I'm talking about privately in your own prayer. And all this, you just can't, you just can't stand anymore. You just got to get on your knees before God and begin to worship God. See, being on your knees, that's a posture. That's a posture of yieldingness. That's a posture of submission to God. He says, for this cause, for this reason, for all of these wonderful truths, for who we are in Christ, for the knowledge of all of the ministry gifts, for the knowledge of redemption, for the knowledge of His great love. We're in, for all of, it just so overwhelms me. It knocks me to my knees. For this cause, I bow my, I love it in the Amplified. It says this. It says, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which we are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now that's a whole nother message. The heavenly Father, the family, not two families, one family. Everybody say one family. Say it again. Say it again. How many locations? Two locations. One family, two, not two families, one heavenly father, one family, two locations. The family on heaven, in heaven and the family, we're still the family on earth. Now, don't you think a loving heavenly father is as willing to do for those in heaven who are with him, who are in his glory, who can see into the spirit realm? who are not in their physical bodies, but in their spirit bodies, their spirit, uh, their spirit beings, which look just like you do. Amen. I mean, if we were all to, to, to jump out of our physical bodies and, and see each other spiritually, we'd all look the same. Amen. That family that's what? Well supplied. Well endowed. Amen. That has purpose. They're worshiping God. No telling what they're preparing for. Amen. He still has that same love and that same desire to take care of the family on earth in the same way He takes care of the family in heaven. So that means, oh, I better not get into that. I have to preach it. That means the same provision. The same provision. You think they're worried about sickness? No. Should we be? No. You think they're worried about poverty? No. Should we be? No. You think they're worried about the devil? No. Should we be? No. The same provision is available to us here on earth. The difference is we're in a no man's land. We're in a combat zone. We're in an area in which the devil is loose, where the world system is, where we're still stuck in a physical body and have minds that must be renewed by the Word of God. So God has given special special privilege Grace, we're faith of mercy when you make mistakes. Favor because you're his child. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You, you get me excited. We'll, we'll be here all night. No, 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 no. 15, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that 
Let me read it again. For whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. The father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its That he may grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling in your innermost being and personality. Woo, my goodness. Where's God? He's in you. If we could ever get God conscious that God is in us, the hope of glory. Mm-mm-mm. May Christ, verse 17, through your faith actually dwell Settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love which the breadth and length and height and depth of it that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled, now listen to this, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become bodily, are you, with, are you with me? Become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That's those things. That's the things in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No, not that you just pay the light bill. No, you gotta, I got to read that one one more time, that last part there. Amen that you may become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Man, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this is the problem that we have with this. I'm four minutes over. That eight minutes went by quick, didn't it? So I'll take two more minutes. I'll go by real quick. Our problem is this, that we see things like this in the Word of God and because of, for lack of a better term, religious brainwashing, we do one of two things. We put it off to the sweet by and by, but he just talked about the family in heaven and earth. So that's not talking about when you get to heaven. That's talking about you're, you're in the same family, that you be filled with all the fullness of God right now. So we either put it off to the sweet by and by when we die, when the rapture takes place or something like that, or we allow theological thinking to warp our minds where they will make statements like, these things that you see in the Bible biblically, in reality there is a legal access and a legal right to them, but whether any person on planet earth ever experiences the reality of that Maybe one here, maybe one there. Maybe Billy Graham tasted it in a crusade one day. Maybe Oral Roberts tasted it. But you, you in Galveston, 
You just keep on believing God to pay your light bill. Bill, you'll be all right. No, no, don't get off in that other, you know, being fully filled. No, see, that's religious thinking. Because in reality, this is a legal document. This is a document of a covenant that we have with God through Christ Jesus that God and the, that Jesus and the Father, the Heavenly Father, cut on the cross. Amen. And we got in on it by believing on Jesus Christ. And so it is legally ours. So in the natural, what is legally yours, you enjoy. Why not in the Spirit? Why not in the Spirit? Take the Word, take faith, take confession, take all the principles that we teach and preach and begin to do what? Talk these things in and out of you. Let them flow in, let them flow out. Receive, believe, receive, assimilate, transmit. Believe, receive, assimilate, transmit. Let it get in you. Let it stir on the inside of you. Begin to discover the bigness of God in your own heart. The bigness of God in your own, bigger than your problems, bigger than your circumstances, bigger than your situations, bigger than what the world says you can and cannot do. The greatness, the fullness of your loving Heavenly Father. Begin to enjoy, and then begin to take it and do what? Give it away. Give it away. Because the more you give it out, the bigger it gets. The greater it gets, the more it operates, the more it blesses, the more it helps, the more blessed you are. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you learn something tonight? Oh, lift your hands and worship God. Father, we glorify you. We thank you for the goodness of your word, the greatness of your spirit. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us for the anointing on the inside which teaches and guides us into the truths and reality of the word of God. And Father, we're just like Paul. Lord, when we hear these things, we get so overwhelmed by your love and your mercy and your goodness toward us. That, Lord, we just bow our knees. We bow ourselves in your presence. And we give you honor and glory. And we magnify your name. For truly, the redemption afforded us in Christ is so much greater than anything we can imagine. Than anything we can think. For you are the God that does exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And, Father, we worship you tonight. Let this experience of us together as a church in the next few months and years work toward that which would cause you Lord to become the heavenly father of many sons and daughters in this area let Jesus live big on the inside of us and let him be big on the outside of us Lord that we might be your hand extended your voice proclaimed your goodness, your grace and your mercy manifested to an entire region. Father, we humbly ask that and believe you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone says, praise God. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409 770 9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.